and start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. We're super excited to have her back. You probably remember Lise Wheel as a former Fox News legal analyst. She writes tons of books. Many of them are novels, and those are exciting and fascinating. Many of those are series. But then she's also written a number of books. We've had her now. I think this is her third appearance. We had her on about the Unabomber, about Charles Manson, and now tonight, uh, the Robert Hansen story. This is a fascinating one. And Lise Wheel, Welcome back to the broadcast. Hey, Jim. Welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you. But um, look, I, I you said you know so many books I've written. This will be my twentieth, but you've written thirty. Wow. So yeah, I still have a lot ways to go, man. But I think I, I think I started earlier than you. So in fairness, but your 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 business model <laughs> your your business model is very smart because a lot of these books you're writing, and you may already know this. I'm telling you something you already know. A lot of these books you're writing are what we call evergreen in the in the trade, which right. means that uh, people are going to keep buying these books in ten years, twenty years, and so you're going to basically be uh, in some estate in Martha's Vineyard, uh, retired, living off all these royalties <laughs> because of all these series of books that you've written. So I have to tell you what I did to prepare for tonight. And so I watched the movie Master Spy last night. And I never seen right. it, I never seen it before, and I was riveted. I I couldn't stop watching it. In fact, even when I got up to get something to drink, I paused it because I didn't want to miss even two seconds of it. So I wanted to start by asking you: uh, Did Master Spy do a good job of portraying the Robert Hansen story? I read some of the reviews, which goes all the way back to two thousand and two, and the New York Times and others said no, it didn't. Uh, have you seen Master Spy? And, and what were your thoughts on it compared to what you found I, out from your book? I've seen Master Spy, and I've also seen Breach. That's a, uh, another movie about the Hansons, and they're fine, but um, they're not as detailed and. As, as, as you you know, there it's it's a movie. It's it's entertainment, right? So you can't really expect for entertainment to kind of give you the real um, details of what went on. I mean, you need a book to be able to do that, and and that's what I've got. And and what I was able to do too, that of course, you know, in retrospect, a movie like that is a little bit outdated. I was able to get a hold of. The agents who worked on the case, CIA, FBI, now all these years later when they've had some time to reflect, and that would have been a great starting point. But beyond that, I mean, I got to his brother-in-law who tried to turn him in. Wow. And he he was, you know, he, he gave me a long, many long interviews. His best friend 
who still considers him to be, you know, his best friend and, and all of that. So I've got so much of the background. His psychiatrist that he saw before he took his, you know, the plea deal and when went to prison. Um, the, the widow of the CIA agent who was actually targeted, wrongly targeted as the master spy and spoke with her. So I just have a lot more, uh, than you could possibly put into a movie like that. Yeah, and just to give people the background, and I should have done this right up front, but uh, Robert Hansen is an American former FBI double agent who spied for Soviet and Russian intelligence services against the United States from 1979 to 2001. His espionage was described by the DOJ as possibly the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history. Hansen is currently serving 15 consecutive life sentences without parole at ADX Florence, a federal supermax prison near Florence, Colorado. And probably the most fascinating thing to me, Lise, is kind of the psychology of this guy who on the one hand, mm-hmm. and I know this is, we, we kind of have a family audience here, but I'm going to still kind of go there. But on the one right. hand, he's this like strict Catholic guy. And in the movie, they, they portray like the, the family uh, is having dinner and the, the, the topic of homosexuality comes up and, and they say, we don't, they have a guest that brings it up. I think it was in, in the movie, it was his uh, future son-in-law brings up homosexuality. We don't discuss that at this table. And then pornography come, came up and they talk about that. They were sort of the almost um, caricature of like a Catholic family. I mean, to the point that, uh, the, there's one scene in the movie where the wife goes into a grocery store and on her way out, she turns around several magazines so that her kids don't see the cover of women in bikinis and things like that. They're, they're super, uh, ridiculously conservative to the point that when you understand kind of the double life, then he's going to strip clubs. He's with this stripper. He's That's giving right. this stripper thousands of dollars, but then ultimately supposedly never has sex with her, but just sort of gets to the edge of that with her. Talk about the psychology of this guy. Uh, not only was he a double life at work being an FBI agent and a spy, but also in his personal life. Yes. I mean, he converted to Catholicism because he married a Catholic, Bonnie, and so he and he embraced it. You described it exactly right. He embraced it completely. And that was how the world saw him. But I was just talking about his best friend right a minute ago to his best friend. Is that the lieutenant colonel? Said, Is that the, the lieutenant colonel? That's that's Jack. Jack Hauschauer. Yeah. OK. Um, and he sent to Jack, you know, porn. Of his wife, Bonnie. Yeah. I mean, talk about not, you know, he <laughs> no porn, but here he's sending it to the guy and he, when he's, you know, um, he's enlisted and, and abroad and, and, you know, wanted him to give, you know, let's again, be, I'm being very careful. Yeah, he here, wanted him to, he wanted, wanted him to have sex wife. with his wife, right? We can say right. that. And he was taking exactly. Polaroids. He wanted to drug his wife. Yeah, he was taking naked Polaroids yeah. of his wife, giving these pictures to this Jack, his friend, uh, who, who's a lieutenant colonel. But yet he's this goes to church every Sunday guy. Yep. 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 Exactly. And, you know, the psychology, oh, there's so many things. I mean, he 
he grew up loving James Bond and wanting to be the James Bond kind of hero, wanting to rescue damsel in distress because he sort of saw that as a James Bond, you know, hero mode and, and all of that. But he himself was kind of, kind of nerdy. I mean, I love nerds. I'm a nerd, <laughs> but he was kind of nerdy. He wasn't guilty. guilty. Bond, I'm a know? nerd. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. We're nerds. I mean, I'm proud of it. Um, but then when he joined the FBI, he, he always had to be the smartest guy in the room, yeah. right? We all know people like that. They're just so dang smart. They're smarter than us. And he has to show that off, especially when it comes to computers and computerization and IT. Now, I will tell you, um, having worked with FBI agents my whole life, my father being an FBI agent, um, you know, I've had so much exposure to that world. And when I was a federal prosecutor working with FBI agents, that they lack are and still lack skills when it comes to computers because FBI agents, by and large, and I'm being a little stereotypical here, but it's true. Um, they're not into so much into computers. They're into making arrests, right? They're into breaking down some doors and knocking some heads together and making arrests and, and you know, carrying things out like that and, pros- and getting to the prosecutor. They're not about computers. And, and Hansen was. So he was kind of a nerd, kind of a computer guy, kept to himself. They kind of called him Dr. Death because he wore black clothing all the time. Yeah, there was one there was one joke. There was one joke in the movie where they uh referenced um a a TV show and there was a a a funeral uh director in this show and they referred to him as that guy. I forget the I forget the show. But but, yeah they they referred to him as being a a more a more mortuary director or something like that. But he he kinda had that you know uh, hurt did a great job of of doing that. So we would you say that there was this was a narcissistic person because he was not narcissistic in the in the sense that we think of like somebody who's like the uh, you know looks good wearing tennis shorts and is somebody who's who's the jock who's the good looking narcissist. He was a narcissist kind of in a different way. He, he clearly thought of himself as smarter and better than everyone else around him. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there were money issues for him because part of being a narcissist is wanting is wanting to look good in front of everybody else. So, you know, they got a house in Scarsdale. Well, Scarsdale is a very expensive suburb in Westchester, a suburb of New York. It's, you know, FBI agents are paid fine, but, you know, not really enough to pay for that house in Scarsdale. And then they had, a, you know, a lot of kids and they sent the kids to private school. Well, when asked about that, well, you know, it was Bonnie's money. Bonnie's parents had some money, but of course it wasn't any of that. But he always had to look the best. And Bonnie was beautiful and loved to trot her out and, you know, be seen as this beautiful woman. And so there was that part of the psychology as well. And then just, you know, greed, part of it, um, part of it feeling like he wasn't appreciated enough in the FBI and he was going to kind of show him that sort of thing. And then also... The Russians who handled him, he had a handler, were very smart in the way they handled him in that they really pulled out of him this kind of friendship. You know, we're friends, you know, comrade, you know, all of this. But again, it's so crazy because to the outside world and to his FBI agents and colleagues, 
he was, you know, anti-espionage. I mean, he was, you know, all anti-communist, anti, you know, pro-American, anti-communist, all of this. And yet he's dealing with the Russians for 20 years. And, and, and Bonnie, by the way, finds him. Yeah, the, the, wife, the, the, the wife does figure it out at, at, at one point in the movie now. And they go to the priest and admit to it. Is, is that true? Oh, that is true. And here's where I really have trouble with that priest, because yeah. he said, he said, but to back up the story a little bit, he'd been spying early on. And Bonnie one day looks through basically a, a dresser drawer and finds all of this cash and she confronts him and he admits to what he's been doing. And she said, oh, my gosh, you know, we need to go to the priest. So they go to the priest and the priest says, listens to it all and says, well, it's not so great, but I'll absolve you if you, you know, give the church money, which is exactly what Hanson did. I think he gave him like $30,000. Like, okay, you're good now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. We don't want our priest doing that. Now, I, I had read also that Bonnie Hanson, the wife, still maintains contact with her husband in the Supermax that she does. It, it, he's allowed like he's he's in 23 hours a day in solitary. He gets one right. hour out a day and people need to understand why this punishment is so severe. This is not just selling what is clearly, I mean, some of the, the top, top secrets of our government, which is it could be a penalty of death uh, for treason. But right. because of what he did, there were also several people that died uh, on the Russian side. People that were spying for us actually died as a result of Robert right. Hansen. But his wife maintains contact with him. Tell us about that. She does. She, she, you know, it's always been questionable what she knew and when. We know the first incident we just talked about. And then she's maintained she didn't know anything after that. But it's, it, it, it strains the, you know, imagination to think that she wouldn't have figured something out in those next, you know, 15 years. But what happened was when he was arrested, they interviewed her, interrogated her. She, you know, came clean as to what she knew or didn't know. And Hanson said, look, I will, I will speak to you, FBI. I will tell you everything, but I want the death penalty taken off the table and I want Bonnie taken care of. And it was a big decision for our government at that time, because there were people that said, no, you know, let, let him be executed. He's, he's, you know, a, a spy of the worst, worst extreme and he should be executed. But there were others who said, and this is the, the winning thought, was, no, we need to get from him everything that we can, all the information we can get, and we'll just lock him up for the rest of his life. And, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that. He's never going to get out. As you say, he's in confinement, you know, solitary confinement 23 hours of the day. Uh, Bonnie does see him, as she has the right to do. And, but I don't know that any I, I, FBI agent actually that I know went and saw him and as well. And he, you know, it's kind of the same, apparently doesn't speak of any remorse. Um, and she still and got his pension. She, she got his, uh, she got his pension also. Isn't that right? Yeah. About $40,000 a year. Uh, See that, pension. that, that part of it to so, me, that, that kills me. That part of it. 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know I, you don't want to you don't want to punish the family, but you know that the problem that I have with her is if she's the cover story to all of his circle of friends, why he has this extra money to do all these things, trips to Hawaii, all these things that he did, private school, living way above his means with cars and houses and all that. If she's the cover story, she's got to know wait a minute, my parents aren't giving us this money. So I yeah, don't know. I've got to believe that. Think so. Yeah. And maybe she doesn't go to prison, but the idea that she's uh, getting a pension that kind of hit me uh, wrong, but you know, they've got to be practical. Jim, and- Jim, it, 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 Jim, it did to me. It, you know, I understood completely why to give him a deal and why to give her a deal because you want information. Information is more important than, you know, executing him but to, you know our we're it's our money that we're paying to her you know that right. forty thousand dollars is is our money that out of our pockets and i i don't like that at all i mean i have nothing against bonnie hanson i don't know her but she can't talk um for the plea plea agreement she's bound not to speak to anybody as is hanson so they couldn't be interviewed but yeah I, look i don't wish her ill but i i still have a hard time believing that she's getting that 40,000, but she's getting it every year. Yeah, that's that's something. Now, is is this because it was before 9-11 and all the strict financial monitoring that this guy could? I, I, I would guess that most of this money that he got was cash. How much cash do we yeah. believe that he got? And, and how is he able to funnel this cash even through a bank or just spending it around town or however he was laundering this money? How was he able to deal with this cash and how much was it with without anybody figuring it out? Yeah, that's it's a hard number to come up with because not only did he take cash, he took diamonds, um, he took, you know, jewels. So it's you know, probably over over the twenty years, it's running into the millions. You know, there was a fifty thousand drop here, a hundred thousand dollar drop there, diamonds. And then you're right; he ran into that problem of how do I deal with this money? Because a bank is you can only you know, deposit less than ten thousand before they have to you know write it up and everything. So he had a lot of cash, which is how he got found out first from Bonnie, and uh, he just he just spent through the cash, but he. He wasn't really laundering so much as just kind of keeping it in a drawer and, and spending it for the bills and things like that. It, it is so surprising to me, though, that the FBI didn't follow up with things like now they will make you have a polygraph every few years. There are background checks. When I was a federal prosecutor, in my fifth year, they had to do another background check, right, every five years. Hanson was there 20 years and they never did a background check on him. That's crazy. Wow. Crazy. You know, because that then you find out about things like his money and his living in Scarsdale and that the money wasn't coming from Bonnie's parents. You know, if you do it, if you do a decent background check. So, you know, there are a lot of things like that that the FBI has atoned for and I think is making changes and has made changes since Hanson's arrest. But, the fact that he was able to get by, and 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 remember, at that time, unlike now, where you could just bring a you know computer chip in and walk out with something, you know, the size of your thumb, he was copying things 
on a Xerox machine, you know, hundreds of pages and just walking out with them. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> they, show, they show that movie. Out. And uh, the, the drop that he had set up was in some kind of a park where it was under yeah. under a, a little walking bridge and he would take a piece of white tape and put it on the sign to enter that park as the signal that there was something to be picked up. And that's where the drop would take place for the money and also the package of, of, of items. And he initially justified this by saying he was giving the Russians a bunch of like not important information just to make, to, to give them something to get money back. But then it escalated over time. What, what, what were some of the, biggest things that he gave away i mean we know he gave away the identity of three spies which caused their deaths um what other secrets what other national secrets do we know that he gave away at the time they were the top the top secrets that we had in the espionage department now we don't know exactly what they what those are because they're secret um but you know they when I spoke with the FBI agents who investigated him and asked them the question of, you know, how detrimental was it? And they said he ruined operations. I mean, completely ruined FBI operations and CIA operations as well with the information they gave over. And you're right, at least three people, and these are Russian assets, by him telling the Russians that they were, in fact, you know, spying for us. The Russians got them and killed them, executed them, and made you know an example of them. So we had, because of that, we had virtually no Russian assets in Russia. You know, people that were there willing to spy for us, it just dried up. So we didn't get information out of Russia either, um, which of course is you know very very problematic, especially when you're dealing with you know situations like now where we're in where information out of that country as to what they're doing is extremely vital to our own national security. And Jim, I got, I got to tell you this because this was so important to me when I was doing all these interviews. I asked all the agents, past and present, you know, could there be another Hansen today? And to a person, they all said, absolutely, yes. And then the follow-up question is, you know, how and could this happen again? And many of them said, and there probably already is wow. a spy in the FBI. Now, when we're talking about national security, especially with Russia right now, that fact is just, uh, you know, we have to take that very seriously. It's not just a story about Robert Hansen and national and, you know, what happened historically, although that's, you know, that's the bulk of the book. It's also about what's going on with our national security today and how can the FBI be breached? And we need to be very serious about that. Yeah. I, I think we can make the mistake of thinking, well, well, this happened back then and things have changed today, but the only thing that would be different is probably a Robert Hansen today would be getting paid in Bitcoin or something like that. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. the, and be instead of taking yeah. out boxes of documents, they'd be sending them to their private Dropbox or something. You know, there's there, I'm sure there would be a exactly. way that it could happen today. And that's why your book is so important. Let's talk. Uh, let's go back to the CD details and talk about the stripper again. So somehow this Catholic guy ends up at a strip club, ends up like falling in love, I guess, with this stripper 
ends up flying her to Hong Kong, buying her uh, BMW, all all kinds of, you know, fancy things, giving her money, giving her an American Express card. What do we know happened to the stripper? and, And did she know what was going on? Did you get to interview her at all? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I tried to track her down. And the closest I got was to her mother, who, you know, was not going to, I don't think the mother was even in contact with her anymore, but she went, she was involved in drugs, always had been involved in drugs, and I think went back to that life, went back to um, prostitution, and I think she's still alive, but the mother, you know, has very little contact with her, if any. So it sounded like it was kind of a sad story, and Hanson knew that, you know, she was in trouble and knew that um, things weren't going well for her in his last few days, you know, or the last couple of years of his spying after their relationship, whatever it was, was over. And he just was cold about it. Well, that's too bad for her. You know, tough. And, uh, in, in the movie, so he he's was, in the movie. He, ugly. In the movie, he's encouraging her to come to his church on Sundays. And she says, where you go with your family, you want me to come to your church. So it, it, this double personality of his, he's on the one hand at the strip club, meeting up with her, flying her to Hong Kong, lavishing her with all these gifts, which is clearly in, you know, violation of his, his moral standards. And then he wants her of to course. come to his church and he's still, he's able to, <laughs> to manage these two different uh, ideas in his head that that I'm this Catholic guy and he's still this Catholic guy that wants his stripper girlfriend to come to his church on Sunday. And it seems like that's almost a metaphor for how he lived as an FBI agent. This this double moral life is is how he lived inside the FBI as a spy for Russia. That's right. And he took advantage of the FBI's inclination to trust their own. You know, once you're in You've been vetted, you've been, the background check has been done, and you, they trust each other, you know, although trust but verify, right? And they didn't verify. And because he was kind of, you know, a little bit off, a little strange, but really into computers and really smart, they let him go and, and ride out that. Meanwhile, you're exactly right. He was leading this complete double life. I think we would all find it, forget about the secrets for a moment, forget about the national security shameful, just shameful the way he treated his wife, by extension, his children. He, he's, you know, disrespecting them by disrespecting his mother, their mother. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But I kind of keep coming back to his basic need to be so smart. I can outsmart. And, and bringing the stripper into the into the church, sure, he can do that. I'm never going to find out because I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah, who knows what would have happened if the priest found out about the stripper because the priest basically got in on the money from Russia uh, by giving the money to the church. I mean, who knows? Uh, boy, I'll tell you, what a crazy, who knows? Maybe crazy story. The, the book is yeah, called yeah. A Spy in Plain Sight, the Inside Story of the FBI and Robert Hansen, America's Most Damaging Russia. Russian spy. And when does the book come out, Lisa? I know it's not officially out yet. It comes out May 3rd. And I've got to say, I think this is a book that I've worked the longest on and the hardest on. I did so many of the interviews during the height of the pandemic and trying to track people down and, and do interviews um, over the phone, you know, shape the interviews. Um, Jim, I got to tell you, it was for me personally, 
a bit of a survival to get through the pandemic because I had this great work to do, right? I, I was a detective. I had to get further and dig deeper and find more. And I found emails exchanges that had never been discovered before. And I was jumping up and down with excitement. You know, it, it was on a personal level, it was really a saving grace for me during the worst part of the pandemic because I had this work to focus on and to, t- and to tell the story and to get the story out there and to have people understand not only about Hanson, but about where we are in national security today. And, and we cannot be asleep at the wheel at all. Well, I just took a, a class on uh, national security, a college class, and I could see a book like this being a textbook for people that are going into that line of work. Uh, maybe even at Quantico that they have this book, uh, because it certainly does lay bare what could very well be happening today, especially with our technology today that we have, that this could absolutely be going on. And with what's going on in Russia right now, we certainly can't afford to have any leaks. Oh. Well, just make a note if you can to no. your publicity people, if there's any way we could possibly get a signed copy of the book here, I would love to read this whole book page by page. I know it's not quite available yet, but uh, when it does come on, I'd love to get a copy. Jim, absolutely. I think we get um, authors copies next month and I'll make sure that, that they get a copy to you. And, and and thank you so much for having me on the program and continuing to do so. It's just such a delightful conversation and you you always prepare so well and it's, you make me think, you know, you make me well, think. Well, thank you so I, much. I we're so we're glad you. to have you on and every book you have out, uh, let us know and we'll be having you back. Absolutely. And, and have a, have a blessed evening and, and God bless you. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Lee Sweel, a spy in plain sight. I love that. This is going to be a fun book to read. I can't wait to get it. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast, even though we started a couple minutes late uh, due to computer issues. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.